Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Tuesday, January the 7th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. First today, a Medway man has been jailed for 12 years for his part in a knife point robbery at the home of Olympic cyclist Mark Cavendish. Expensive watches were taken from the property in Essex back in November 2021. 28-year-old Ali Cisse from Holding Street in Raynham pleaded guilty ahead of a trial which heard his DNA was found on the athlete's wife's phone. Another man who's 31 and from South East London has been locked up for 15 years. But this is what Mark and his wife said in a statement. For us, this has never been about the items which were taken that night. It is about the terror our family felt that night. It's about the impact it continues to have on us. What these men did was a world away from a robbery on the street. And I want those who know them to know this. They came to a home where a young family was sleeping. They broke in in the middle of the night and they threatened us. They assaulted Mark and they terrified our children. I cannot fully describe the fear I felt for my family and young children when the men entered our home and threatened us with knives. And I cannot begin to describe the feeling of living in your home in fear that this may happen again. But part of the reason we are speaking today is to show that we are moving forward as a family. We still have difficult times, especially the children, but we're continuing to build our life together. No family should ever have to go through what we went through. And I'm glad that two people have been sent to jail for significant periods today. But no matter what the sentence, any parent will understand that no time in prison will make up for what they did. Two men are still wanted in connection with the robbery. You can see pictures within the story today at Kent Online. Next, and it's emerged a man suspected of killing his wife and child before taking his own life is a former Canterbury schoolboy. The bodies of George and Emma Patterson and their seven-year-old daughter Letty were found at their home in the grounds of Epsom. College in the early hours of Sunday. He went to Barton Court Grammar between 1994 and 2001. Fellow former students say they're shocked and sad. The school has been contacted for a comment. Kent Online News. Some other news from Court Next and a Ramsgate man who beat his former partner after breaking into her home and finding her with another man has been jailed. Neil Jones repeatedly punched and kicked them both at Spencer Square before raiding the property last November. The 44-year-old from West Cliff Road has been locked up for four and a half years. A Dover nightclub manager's been fined after using offensive language towards an officer when he was asked to leave a police car park. Ben Pillard, who works at Attic, was arrested while drunk last July. The 26-year-old from Tower Hamlets Road has been ordered to pay more than £300 and think carefully about his behaviour in the future. Officers are looking for a van driver who may have information about a fatal crash in Tunbridge Wells. The vehicle is said to have been parked in Culverden Down where a 75-year-old was hit by a VW transporter van near to the town's football stadium last month. A driver who was arrested at the time remains out on bail. Tributes are being paid today to a Kent paramedic who's died at the age of 32. Samantha Lippman's body was found at her home in Hawkinge near Folkestone last November after she failed to show up for work. An inquest has concluded she took her own life. Her mum has described her as the most loving and caring 
caring person you could hope to meet. Now, a Kent mum whose baby was stillborn at just 20 weeks has been telling the Kent Online podcast how she would have had a breakdown if it hadn't been for the support from a Kent charity. A scan last November sadly revealed baby Bryn had passed away and she was born a few days later at Medway Maritime. Cheryl Griffiths was able to spend time with her baby in the hospital's bereavement suite. She's now determined to give something back and help others who go through the same thing. Going through that pain of labour and then having your baby and then the room's just silent, completely silent. And you just, you'll you never forget that. You'll never, ever forget that. Midwives are absolutely fantastic. So gentle, so caring, so their job is so selfless. To go through that and see a baby that has passed away, a stillborn baby, must be, it mentally will take their toll on these midwives, but they, they handle it so professionally. And they see that, my husband had every need, Kelly had every need, I had everything I needed. They were, we were really, really well taken care of up there. So we went through the process, got Bryn dressed, got everything done for her, possible. And then Danny, the midwife, came to see us and she explained Abigail's footsteps. Kelly went up to see the flat that they've got in it. Because it's a one bedroom flat, beautiful, absolutely stunning, really well decorated. Very, very calming atmosphere and it allows you to just chill. So we off we went up to the Abigail's footsteps. We went in there on the Wednesday and I said to my husband, I said, we need to go home on Friday. Friday, that's it, Friday. Because obviously there's only so much how long a baby can stay out. Yeah. Even though she's in the Abigail's cot, she's basically preserved a little bit yeah. longer for yeah. us. But I felt I can't keep her. Like, I can't keep her. So we went in there we were so relaxed, we were well looked after. Um, they kept asking us if we wanted our meals, checked us in the morning, left us at night time before they went home and stuff like that. Midwives were always on call, just down the hall, if we ever needed anything. So yeah, off we went, and, and Abigail's spent all that time with Bryn. There was a book of so many, it happens to so many people. When you're reading the little condolence book, there's people not just lost one, they've lost two. You're like, oh my God, this happens to so many more people than you think. Mm. It's just not vocalised. Maybe it's because they feel that they can't talk about it. It's made like, oh, don't talk about that. But you wouldn't talk about living children like that. You wouldn't discard them. This, I still say I've had six children. Brynnie was number six, so she was my baby. So I'll, I'll still talk about her. Anybody wants to know, I'll talk about her. She's still a beautiful little, pouty-lipped little girl. The suite was funded by donations to Abigail's Footsteps and Cheryl's hoping to raise enough money to buy a cold cot. You can hear more of Cheryl's story by listening to a special edition of the podcast. You can search for that on Podbean or anywhere else where you'll download your podcasts. Kent Online reports. Saga's confirmed it's going to close its headquarters near Folkestone. This is one of our most read stories on the website today and reporter Rhys Griffiths joins me to chat through it. Firstly, Reese, for anyone who doesn't know the area, can you describe the site to us, please? Because it's pretty huge, isn't it? Hi, Nicola. That's right. Saga's corporate headquarters is located in a large area of parkland on the hillside at Sandgate, just outside Folkestone. Its glass and steel main building enjoys commanding views out over the village and the English Channel beyond. So why has this decision been made? Well, originally, the headquarters in Sandgate was designed to accommodate a workforce of around 1,000 
thousand people. But since the pandemic and a switch to a work from home hybrid model, there has been less and less demand for regular desk space within the office. And in fact, capacity fallen to below 20% utilization for the, the property at Embrook Park. This is why now Saga is looking to rejig its portfolio of properties and that means that Embrook Park is no longer fit for purpose. And are staff just going to work from home permanently then? Certainly it looks like the business will be switching to a hybrid model on a permanent basis. They say that they will maintain offices not only in King's Cross in central London but also they plan to have two hub offices here in Kent which will provide staff with places they will be able to come in person, work together and collaborate but certainly it seems the switch to a model which sees a lot of work done from home will be a permanent change following the pandemic. Has there been any reaction recently and importantly what could happen to the building? Yeah there has been uh, some disappointment at the uh, at the news. Saga is obviously a major employer here in this part of the world. Folkestone is the, uh, is the place where Saga was founded back in the mid 20th century by Sidney Dehan. Um, what will be interesting to see is what kind of presence is maintained in the in the area. We don't yet know uh, any precise details on that. But um, the building itself, well, Saga previously in the summer of 2021 applied for and received permission for what is known as prior approval for the potential conversion of the building in Sandgate into around 60 flats with quite impressive sea views so we shall have to see what the future holds for the site itself. Reese, thank you ever so much this is also one of our most read stories today a chatter man is looking for somewhere else to live after being told he'll now have to park half a mile from his home in a multi-storey. Matt Club moved into his town centre apartment because it came with free parking nearby but the council owned site on Slickett's Hill has been sold. He says he'll have to move as he doesn't feel safe walking the distance to and from his car at night. The local authority say they're looking into a residence complaint. Now it's Internet Safety Day today and a new programme is going to be running in Kent to make sure children have healthy relationships online. Workshops will be put on in schools to teach pupils how to spot things like coercive behaviour, bullying or harassment. Specialists will use role play and critical thinking as part of the half-day sessions. I've been chatting to Mark Matthews who's from Collaborate Digital who are running it and have been brought in by Kent's police and Crime Commissioner. We are spending our time over the next few months going into both primary schools and secondary schools across the county, talking to young people about uh, their online life, uh, everything from uh, the social media activity to uh, cyberbullying to the relationships that they may have with people online, not just uh, romantic relationships, but the people that they might be uh, might be gaming with, uh, with the hope that we can check what they're doing, perhaps give them the, uh, the most up-to-date information and the latest advice uh, to help keep themselves safe while they're online. Uh, and when we go into the, the secondary schools in particular, we also extend their content to talk about things like uh, sexting and, and other sorts of uh, perhaps inappropriate activity that does go on uh, online. Um, and the way we tackle that is not only by talking to them, but hearing from them, uh, by asking them to make short videos and podcasts. Um, so our, uh, our workshops sort of start off with a, a little bit of information, but then the young people are working together in groups. They are collaborating on uh, getting their thoughts together, 
find out what they know and what they need to know. They're doing research in that group. And then eventually they start to write scripts for, and then they perform uh, a podcast. Um, and normally, typically, we will uh, probably record five or six podcasts within uh, within a day while we're in school. Now, for the younger pupils in primary school, it might not be that they have a huge amount to do with um, social media sites just yet. But how important is it that they hear these messages very early on so they know what almost they know what they're getting themselves into when they do start to either game online or, or go onto sites like Instagram, Snapchat, that sort of thing. Well, I, I think it is very important, and I and I think we're probably sticking our head in in the sand if we think that um, sort of year five and year six pupils in primary school aren't dabbling in social media. They may be only on uh, a, a Big Brother or sister site, or they may be using uh, mom or dad's account. Uh, but many of them are fully aware that accounts like. Uh, Snapchat, for example, has a 13 age uh, limit, but actually are on there uh, under that age. And likewise, for most of the uh, the other social media, you know, they're playing Fortnite, which again has a, uh, a minimum age of 13. And even Minecraft with a minimum age of, of 10, uh, they, it's children of that sort of primary school year, five year, six age are dabbling and they need to know the dangers that are there. They need to know how to conduct themselves when they are uh, using social media. There was a very powerful documentary on last week. I don't know if you saw it with Emily Atak speaking about her experiences of messages she's received online. Is something so hard hitting as that relevant at, at secondary school age? I mean, I know um, as a mum of a teenage girl, I got her to watch that because I think it's really important. But I mean, how into how much detail do you go when you're speaking to secondary age pupils? I I think we have to go into uh, that detail. I mean, we don't have to be graphic, but we can be honest and we can be factual. Um, you know, I saw a, 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 youth, a youth survey recently that suggested something in the region of 45% of girls are frightened of some kind of physical violence or sexual harassment on their way to and from school. Um, and that, in fact, the, the peak of the week for this sort of criminal activity against uh, women and girls is actually that hour between three and four in the afternoon when young women, girls are on the way home from school or college. So I don't think we can sugarcoat it. I think we have to be uh, open and honest. Uh, and not only are we telling these young people, but actually we're hearing what they've got to say and that's what they say they're concerned about. Kent Online reports. It looks like plans for a new housing estate near Whitstable will be given the go-ahead. Developers want to build 220 homes on 40 acres of land next to a slip road off the Thanet Way. It's been recommended for approval by the council as they admit they're behind on their housing targets. Meantime, if you live in Dover, you won't have to worry about paying for parking on a Sunday. Council bosses were considering introducing charges in 17 car parks and streets across Dover Deal and Sandwich but they've backed down after residents and businesses called the move unfair for those already struggling with the cost of living. A Medway toddler has rung a bell to mark the end of his cancer treatment that started just weeks after he was born. Tyg Mealy from Wigmore had a small lump under his eye which doubled in size within days. He started chemotherapy in July 2020 when he was only two weeks old and had surgery to remove a tumour seven months later where the two-year-old has been invited to Medway Maritime Hospital with his mum, Courtney. Uh, so Tyg has finally rung his cancer bell. Uh, we've waited just under two years now. We've managed to do the Great Woman Street one, I'd say probably about 
a year ago, but no, no family was allowed to be there. So it was so much nicer coming here today with all of his family and they've seen him. So it's what we wanted. There's always, we always said there was light at the tunnel and today's our light at the tunnel. Oh, very, very overwhelming. Very, very emotional. Trying to hold back the tears because it's not, although he is cancer free, it's still, when you read in those words, it just brings everything back the year year and a half we had of his his life um which was just horrendous absolutely horrendous but now it's like the end of the tunnel we can finally move on he's a healthy two-year-old little boy currently playing with his paw patrol bus honestly cannot thank you enough for saving my child he Courtsley, you were always there to support me, always looked after Tyg. You guys are absolutely phenomenal. I can't thank you enough. Tyg continues to have regular scans and will be monitored until he's 18. If you follow Kent Online on socials today, you can see pictures and video of a fire that's broken out in a derelict building on Sheppey. Crews were called to Elm Lane in Minster at about six this morning. Part of the road was closed and a warning issued because of all of the smoke in the area. We are told no one's been injured, but it's not clear yet how the fire started. You can also see on the site today that work has got underway on a £7 million extension to a secondary school in Sittingbourne. A new teaching block's being built at Borden Grammar with specialist classrooms for science and IT as well as a sports hall. It's expected to take about a year to complete and will allow the school to accept more pupils to cope with rising demand. Kent Online News. Now, we've already mentioned the cost of living crisis on the podcast once today and as it continues, the owner of a shop in Herne Bay has decided to give everything away for free. Mayor's Free Shop has donated clothes, handbags, pillows, candles and even paintings that have all been made available for no charge at all. And the owner's even gone as far as to say they have enough clothes to dress the whole of Kent. Everyone is welcome, doesn't matter where you are, we don't do any areas, you can, we have people coming from Ramsgate, Margate, Ashford, Maidstone, just pop down 9 till 5 every day. We'll have a lot of toys, books, clothes, jackets, shoes, you just take them, you don't pay, you just walk away. Save the planet, reuse. Her only request is people don't resell the items after collecting them. She's also encouraging all of us to be more environmentally friendly by reusing things. It comes after we told you in yesterday's podcast about a huge Salvation Army shop that's opening in Folkestone. There's been a mixed response today to plans to open the first Greg's store in part of Kent. It'll be launching on New Romney High Street next month. Some residents are worried it won't last long, though, as people prefer local cafes and shops. Others are welcoming the new jobs it'll create. And a letter written by Charles Dickens' son way back in 1870 is going on display in Medway. It's been announced on what would have been the author's birthday. The letter was donated to the Guildhall Museum in Rochester and will be added to the making of Mr Dickens' exhibition later this year. Kent Online Sports. First up, a revamp of Kent's main cricket ground in Canterbury has been given the go-ahead. Despite fears, it could obliterate its history. Bosses at the Spitfire ground on Old Dover Road want to expand the stands, redevelop the entrance and move a war memorial. Council bosses have approved the plans, saying the changes would be in keeping with the rest of the area. And in football, we should find out this week if Ken Celestia Russo is in the England women's squad for their next game. They take on Korea in Milton Keynes in the group stage of the Arnold Clark Cup next Thursday night. It all comes ahead of the 
Women's World Cup this summer. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details of the top stories direct to your email each morning. That's via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.